Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Hello there, welcome along. Uh, I'm Maggie Burrows, he's Chris Wellamo. As ever, this is the Old Gold Club. Uh, I should say a big hello to our guest, uh, Phil Parks. Hi, Phil. Hiya. You can come a little bit closer to your microphone. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we had a bit of a controversial episode last time out, Phil. Um, Roger Johnson was our guest. And Phil's <laughs> face. This is all. Phil's face just said it. Complete picture. Um, and so, as you can imagine, um, there was a, an awful lot that wasn't great to talk about. So we thought we would go try and go the other way. And then, when I started researching you, there's there's an awful lot in there. That's we've got the Albion game. We've Don't got that. yeah. We've got Fabio Capello, which you've just been telling Looms about. We've got well, the all story sorts. with the gloves. I can't believe that. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> to that. Get Don't to that, you worry. Yeah. We will get to that. Um, just your thoughts very quickly, Looms, on Roger Johnson, because I, I, I have the utmost respect for him coming in and yeah. telling his side of the story, whether people agree with it or not. The fact that he was willing to come in and do it, I think, says a lot. I, th- I think it does. I think what we've got to realise, and in, in, in every moment, there's always there's always a couple of sides to a story, you know, and it's and it's it says a lot about about Roger to come in and put his side across, you know, and the fans have a have a picture from what I guess was portrayed at the time. He's signed with the club; he can't really come out and speak against the club. Uh, and like you say, I, I think he was he, he was honest. If that changes people's opinion of him, he just wanted to put his side across, uh, and I think that was important that we we gave him the kind of the platform to to kind of do that. Because it, it's funny, isn't it? Because people have ups and downs at football clubs. Yeah. Phil, you had ups and downs. I guess the way it, it kind of ended for you a little bit wasn't probably the way you wanted it to be here. But it's rare that anybody has such a down and doesn't really have an upper club. Yeah, I mean, I, I, looking in from the outside, outside, you know, it, it, it didn't it didn't look good. But not knowing what you like, like you like you just said, what really happened, you, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't like to pass judgment on it. I mean, when he when he I think when he first came, he did a good job for the club. Yeah, what went wrong in between, I I I really wouldn't like to comment on that. Like, but fair play to him that he's coming here and put and put his side across. No, spot on, spot on. I just think uh, <clears throat> we all know in a dressing room. Well, probably not not nowadays, but back in early in a dressing room, what happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room, and a lot of things get leaked. The media play a massive part now in how how people are portrayed. Uh, I think we need to take a lot more responsibility there as well. Did they always stay in the dressing room though, or is it just the fact that there are more realms of social media and normal media to get things out? Because the people around Wolverhampton probably knew stories of what you were getting up to, Phil, didn't they? Oh, oh, no, oh not in the dressing room, no. But what on a, on a night time after a game when we went out, they, they, they would. But I, I think, like Christy said, that. In, 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 in my day, any, anything that happened was sorted in the dressing room. If we'd got a problem with somebody in the dressing room, we sorted it out in yeah. the dressing room. Whether it come to fighting or not, it was sorted out. And, the, and it ended there. Yeah. But I, I, like today, how uh, stories get leaked all the while, and I, I really don't think that's right. I think what happened in the dressing room should stay in the dressing room. No, so what, what Phil's saying is spot on. And I think when, when you go into an environment that's outside and you're having a few drinks... 
anyone's a journalist now, anyone with a mobile phone can take a picture. And but the players of today know that that's the case. You understand? So, yeah. Phil, we've, we've had so many different players uh, on the old goal club that at different areas that had drinking schools. You know, we had we had bullying talking about having a, a night out before Newcastle away. Yeah, New Year's Eve in a now, hotel. So you you just got to imagine if that was today. That just it wouldn't happen because straight away, Sky Sports, Talk Sport, whatever it is, is getting sent a video of a player on a night. It's happened. You've seen it. Where uh, I'm trying to think what player it was. It's Sunderland's talking about about the other players in his in his team. And you're Darren thinking, Gibson. Yeah, you're from thinking, Wolves, Lowney, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and he's nodding. And yeah, and you're just thinking, wow. You know what I mean? And this this is why there's a big divide now that between players and fans, managers and journalists because. Everyone's got to watch their back in some sort of form now, whereas that's 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 damaged the game in my opinion. You know, I think we've had. I, I speak to journalists where they used to be the scouting network for managers back in the day. They'd sit in the manager's office after a game and they'd say, "Oh, this is a good young player come This is a journalist, just a local journalist. It doesn't happen anymore. And like you say, social media, these platforms are definitely a a a, a, a big a big reason for that. I think one of the big things it's just it's just happened with a, a derby with Tom Huddleston taking a picture of one of the, well, I forget it was he was involved in the car crash drinking a pint and then being in the toilet sick and then putting it, it on yeah. Facebook yeah. Yeah. That, that is just out, totally totally out of order yeah totally totally out of order and it, it, to, to be honest if that had been our day he'd have probably had a slap if he'd have done anything like that exactly no and I think that's it the the the, the, the dressing room gov- should govern itself. Yeah, uh, and I guess there's many different cliques in dressing rooms now that I get a feeling he slapped a lot of people. You, really. you wouldn't have to. You just say you would <laughs> just you would just have to. Well, we Mike, Mike, Mike Bailey was our captain, and, and no disrespect to anybody at the club, I don't think they've ever replaced Mike Bailey. And if Mike said something, every, everybody listened. I mean, we still call him Skipper now when he comes down. Yeah. We, you know, we don't call him Mike. Because we still call him Skipper, and, and that's a sign of respect. Of but you have to earn that respect. Yep. Not the spot on. Were you the enforcer in that dressing room, though? Because you were a big guy. Oh, we had a few. Frank Mon, Frank Monroe, you know, and the, the, we had a few big guys in the dressing room, like, you know what I mean? Because I, I read one thing. When you were first coming into the team, you were one of four goalkeepers at the club who were all over about six foot one. Yeah, I mean, at, at the season, I made my debut 67. I started off in the fourth team. Two guys left and I was in the reserves and Fred Davis got injured and Ronnie Allen said, you're playing. Well, that, that wouldn't happen. Anymore would that 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 was I was nineteen I I hadn't played that many reserve team games yeah but it should happen still it, it, that it, should happen I, I, but it I, doesn't because I they agree. go out and, they go out and buy or bring in a loan player or spend a lot of money on another yeah. keeper whereas there's young players that want that should be brought through yeah. were you ready then so as I say you're thrown in you became an absolute legend at the club but nineteen years old you got thrown in because of an injury in you yourself were you ready for that moment yeah. That, that's that, that's what you work for, isn't it? Yeah. That's what that's what I you know we was working for every day to get to get there. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you a story like when I, when I came back from from when I was playing in the states and I, I trained there for for a few weeks and they had a lad called Andy De Bond, and everybody was raving about Andy De Bond and then they had a couple of injuries and rather than put Andy on the bench, they went and fetched a guy called David Felgate on loan from somewhere. He was thirty eight. Yeah. And, and you know. I, I just can't see any logic any yeah. logic in that. If you think the kid's that good, stick him on the bench. And if he has to come on, he, he, 
you don't know what's going to happen, do you? Yeah, nice spot. And then I think Andy fell by the wayside in in the end. But who knows if that if they'd have put him on the bench, then what would have happened? Was it different for you because you you had a proper job as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm from West Brom, to be honest. I don't tell many people around, <laughs> right? but when I, I think what they did in them days, like local, local kids were signed as amateurs, and the the kids that, that that couldn't get training Tuesdays and Thursdays were signed on the what was called the ground staff then, like apprentice professionals, like, and we used to train Tuesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. They found me a job. I worked I worked in a steelwork construction place for till till I was two years till I was eighteen. But I think that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I knew what life was about outside yeah. of football. And a lot of young kids come into the game today and they come straight out of school, straight into into this. Everything's done for them now. They don't have, And all of a sudden, when they don't make it, they've got to go out and find a way back in life. And it's yeah. and it, they find it really, really difficult. Yeah. It wasn't difficult for me. I, I, I knew that when I finished playing, I wasn't going to make enough money that I wouldn't have to do anything like, like today. Yeah. But going out and getting a job wasn't a problem because I'd already done it. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. The thing is, if you were playing in the game today, you wouldn't need to, would you? But, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, mean I, I just think where the game's gone is that you've got, you've got young kids like 17 and 18 on like six or seven, eight grand a week. And I ne- I've ne- never play. I'm probably never going to play in the first team, like. And I think that's where there's there's no incentive to work as hard as you can to get into the first team. Yeah. The thing is, what do you do to change it though? Because I, I I completely understand your arguments, and Looms has talked about this before. But you'll always get a situation where if you're the club that's not doing it, there'll be somebody else who will. And so the best kids will go there. Oh, that, I think that... That's that, the problem, isn't they're it? They're signing kids so nobody else signs them. Yeah. But that's not doing the kid any good. And I, I mean, like, when I first came here, everybody played every Saturday. We had six teams every Saturday. We had the Intermediate League that played at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. The, the Wolverhampton Amateur League, Worcester Combination, West Midland League, Reserves and First Team. So every, everybody played every Saturday. Yeah. I mean, some lads would play... At eleven o'clock in the intermediate league, and then we'd come back and play in the afternoon in the in the amateur league or the Worcester combination. Unbelievable, you know. Yeah. And but that, <laughs> that's how you learn. I mean, I, I was I was playing for my dad's works league team when I was fourteen. I was fourteen and a half playing in the West Bromwich Premier Sunday League, and that's how you learn to play. Yeah, you know, you 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 learn to look after yourself, or you fall by the wayside. Yeah, and I I, th- I think the game today is that kids play at their own age for too long. You can have a young kid, say, 13 or 14, that's scoring 50, 60, 70 goals a season, should should be moving up. But, to an, but they're not allowed to. Yeah. And I, I just can't see any, any any point in that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I think, I, I've helped to run kids' teams, and you know, and, I, and I, you see it all the while. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think that's wrong, to be honest. No, I totally agree. I think the whole... I think the Jaden Sancho thing going, that's kind of opened the, the players at these under-23 squads, under-20 squads. I think it has its the success that he's had by refusing that contract and saying, no, I want to go out and play. I think that's that has turned up. Because you're talking about six and seven grand, 17. Some of these players are on 20 grand a week, yeah. 25 grand a week, never play the game. Probably not going to play a first-team game for their, for their uh, parent club. Uh, and I think that, that has put a different spin on it that they go out now they know that if they're playing football they've got a chance to impress I think 
their money the, for, for Sancho, I think they're looking to bring about 70 million to bring him back to the Premier League now. So it just shows you that there is a there is a path, but more players have to take that rather than just be comfortable earning the money and just playing at a comfortable level that they're, yeah. that they're all right at. One of the hardest positions now must be the backup goalkeeper. You can be a backup goalkeeper now and, 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 not, and not play for two or three months and all of a sudden something happens and you're playing yeah. and you haven't played. Like when like when, when I played, I'd a, I started off in the reserve. So when I went into the first team, I, I was still playing every week. Now you've got John Ruddy that might not play for three of but he, he one game here and one game there. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, not, that's not good for him. And all of a sudden, they, 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 you know, you haven't played for two or three months, and you're in, and you make a mistake, and they were, oh, you know. So can I can I ask you then? Because with goalkeepers, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because you do, you usually do have a number one and a number two. For that number two, you aren't going to figure a lot. I can't remember the goalkeeper at Newcastle. I think over like twelve years or something, he made something like what seven appearances. Was that Harper? Was yeah, it and you're thinking it's like, it's, but that's a mindset that as a goalkeeper, you know that you're there. You're putting pressure on the number one, but you are number two. But you know the difference now, though, is that the number two, generally at most Premier League clubs, is like a really experienced goalkeeper who's kind of towards the end of their career. It's actually, for me, it's the number three, because a lot of clubs kind of bring in uh, a youngster. Like, I remember here, Phil might remember this, where... um, Oh, something's falling over. um, Where there was a... Andy Lonergan was injured and Carl Ikemi was injured. And the choice came down to John Flat, who was kind of the third choice, and Walter Zenga that season had kind of been taking him to all the games. So he hadn't played. Or Harry Burgoyne, who'd been playing for the 23s, and Paul Lambert had not long taken over. And he went with Burgoyne, who in theory was the fourth choice, but he'd been playing games. Yeah, He'd just saved a penalty for the under-23s. Yeah. So if you were like that third-choice keeper as the youngster coming through, you're not playing games... But you haven't got the experience to fall back on if you're required anyway. Yeah, but even though you're saying that no, the backup goalkeeper is very, very experienced, it's still not the same as playing every week. If you have, if you haven't, if you haven't played for two or three months and all of a sudden you're playing, it ain't the it, training ain't the same as playing nowhere. And no one, you know yeah. that yourself if yeah. you've been injured and you, you know and you come back and playing playing is so different to training. Just intensity, is it? Well, everything you know, being, you, you, you get used to you playing with your back four. You've done your talk. The, the, the biggest thing, and I, and I see it all the while now, is the talking. They struggle. They struggle to talk, but a lot of times they don't understand what they're saying to each other. Yeah. I, I think it was. The, I think it was. It was it the Chelsea game, where Cody's Cody's waiting for Patricio to come, and then he didn't come, so he passed it back. Everton. Now, Everton yeah, Everton. Yeah. You, you, that's to me. That is talking. Yeah, and and the main talker should be the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper sees everything. Yeah, he should be the main talker on the pitch because he's he's he sees everything, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, of course. And he sh- and he should the goalkeeper should be the main the, the main talker on the pitch. Yeah, but nothing replicates that atmosphere as well. You know, I think uh, like you say in training, you, the, the simple catch. Imagine nope. doing that in front of twenty five, thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's completely different. Yeah. Different pressures, different expectation, isn't it? We are going to get into so much more. 
with Phil Parks. I keep wanting to call you Lofty, but That's I've never right. done it before. <laughs> but right. it's how everybody refers I've to you. I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Johnson said the same last time out. Um, we will get into it much more with Phil Parks, aka Lofty, when we get into the main show. Don't forget our new sponsor this year. Uh, the Old Gold Club is powered by Blythe Group. They also support Wolves TV Match Day Live as well. We're going to hear about them, and then we'll be into the show. This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Match Day Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Owellamo. We are back for a brand new season. And this week, we're joined by a goalkeeper, joint 16th on the all-time appearance list. 382 appearances from 1962 to 1978. The man affectionately known as Lofty. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Phil Parks. Thank you very much. Um, You have an incredible record at this football club, which we will get to in a minute. But there is only one place to start with you, and it is the fact that you are a Wolves legend, but you were born in West Brom. Yeah, I don't, I don't tell everybody that. <laughs> when I go in the pubs in Wolves, I'm to keep it very quiet. <laughs> what happened? How did you end up at Wolves? I was playing for West Brom in schoolboys and, and Staffordshire schoolboys and got invited to, to West Brom one Monday night for training. I, I went and there was like 30 kids and one guy looking after 30 kids. And it wasn't very well organised. And then I got invited to Wolves and he came to Wolves. And there was like 30 kids and there was like six or seven coaches. But all the coaches were like old Wolves legend. Jack Down and J- Joe Garner, Bill, Bill Shorthouse, Billy Crook, who played in the played in the 1960 Cup final and everything, yeah. and it was so different. It was so well organised and everything. Like, and when I went on, but my, my my dad was West Brom through and through. We used to go and watch him every Saturday, and he said, he said "What was it like?" And I said, "Oh, it was, it was great." And I, and I told him, he said, "Well, you stay there," and that, and that was it. So take us through that. Obviously, in 1962, you came to the to Wolves as a club. The debut never came till what, 66, 67? Yeah. So that period of time, through that process, what made you into the man that you were when you got that debut? I, 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 I think, like I had, as I said, I had, a, I had a job for two years. They found me a job for two, two years before. And then they had, they had six teams of a Saturday and everybody used to play of a Saturday. And I started playing in the Wolverhampton Amateur League, then worked my way up into the Worcester combination and worked my way up you know, in, into the third team. You got into the third team at like 15 or 16 in the West Midland League, playing against really, really tough old pros. Yeah. And you learn to you you soon learn to look after yourself. And then I was I was fortunate. I signed pro when I was 18. Uh, a Canadian lad called Les Wilson and myself were the first two guys to sign for the club after Stan Collis got the sack. I came down on this. My dad. We came. I came with my dad on the Sunday. 
They were, said they were going to show me pro. My dad went in and spoke to, to Mr. Collislock and came out and said, he's going to show you pro, but I think he's losing it a little bit. And then he got the sack a couple of days later. So I thought, well, that's it. Like, But they, but they still saw me pro. Yeah. You know, and it, and it just went on from there, to be fair. Because the team at, at that point, I mean, we we think about Wolves in that era, kind of late 50s into the early 60s as being one of incredible success. Actually, by the time you get to the mid-60s, you got relegated and kind of had to build the team back up. They got relegated before I got in the team, to be honest. I just thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not taking responsibility. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it, it was uh, 67, I made my debut. That, that was when we were, we were in Division division 2, as, as, it, as it was then. And we got promotion. Coventry won, Coventry won the league and, and we came second. And, um, and and got promotion, which was I, I played one game when Fred 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 Davis was injured, and then I played the last I played the last thirteen games, of, you know, of that season, and we, and we got promotion, which 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 was brilliant, you know. And it was Ronnie Allen. Ronnie, Ronnie Allen, yeah, Ronnie Allen. Ronnie Allen was you know when you talk about people being before the time, Ronnie Allen was one of them people. Training, training was was so in, was so enjoyable. It was everything was you know was short and short and sharp and everything, and it was really really good. I used to come back in the afternoon. He used to, yeah, he used to bring me back in the afternoon. We used to go on the pitch, and he used to get brand new balls out just to just to shoot balls at me, you know, and that. that to me, that that was brilliant. And so we didn't we didn't have goalkeeping coaches in them days. I was just going to ask. You no, know, we never, yeah. never had a goalkeeping coach. We just we trained with everybody else, and then they just used to whack balls at you after after, after training. So, so he took it upon himself and that to work on certain goalkeeping aspects, certain scenarios that would happen in games. Yeah. But then seeing the normal sessions when you're with the rest of the players. Would he incorporate certain things for goalkeepers then? It's because he had to manage everything, didn't he? No, no, no. It would just just lay a ball into the centre forward and lay it off and, and and shoot. Yeah. Not from different angles, all, all from straight down the middle. Yeah. And it it, it, it was to be honest, it wasn't until I left that I left Wolves and went to Vancouver Whitecaps and a guy called Tony Waiters, who who played for England in in goal. Uh, I learnt more about goalkeeping it, it from in two years with Tony than I, than I'd learnt in, in in sixteen seventeen years there because it was totally different. I mean, it was like Bill McGarry would come in. He, he said, "If we played Leicester at home and we, we were losing one 0 at half time, and he came in and I, I can't say what he said, <laughs> and he absolutely slaughtered me. And you know, if you made a mistake, and you, I, I said, Gaffer, what are you talking about?" And Frank Monroe says to him, "Gaffer, it wasn't the big man's fault; it was mine." So now he's stuck. Because he ain't going to back down. So we went, uh, 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 no, it ain't. It's his because I said so. Yeah. So what you did, you, you, oh, oh, fair enough. No, no, chin, yeah. no good arguing because you yeah. couldn't argue with him. Yeah. He was always right. And I, 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 don't think, I don't think that would happen today. You know, you've got, you, you've got goalkeeping coaches that, that he, he, he would be the man that said you were wrong, not, probably not the manager. Yeah, because that's that's what the goalkeeper coach is there to do to look at look at the I guess every the goalkeeper what they do the the scenarios the instants uh, the movements the techniques that's that's what it, what it's brought in. But you had to kind of like you said you've learned 
in two years in Vancouver more than you've learned in the years that came previous. So you just had to kind of just go on with it, make the saves. Yeah. But did you take it upon yourself to like look at that the, the role of a goalkeeper, or did you just have to just you just, just you, wing it? Because because there was no goalkeeping coaches anywhere. Yeah. I mean, no, no nobody had one. You just you just did what everybody else else did, and then did, just did the shooting practice after. Yeah. You know. I mean, it ain't like today, you know, where they they train with the balls what they play with. I mean, we used to train with anything you could get. <laughs> yeah. You know, you probably not so much you, but you know, the ball, the ball, the, the ball that was played with on on, on the the first team on a Saturday would be passed down to the reserve team, and then that would be passed down to the third team and passed down. Because you played in an era without goalkeeper gloves. Yeah, we didn't we 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 didn't have goalkeeping gloves. You had to make your own. You know, used to, if 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 it was dry, we played we we played with our bare hands. I mean, you watch the old phone. My my grandkids said to me, "What goalie gloves did you wear, Grandad?" So we didn't wear goalie gloves. Everybody wears goalie gloves. I had to find a picture out the loft to show them playing without goalie gloves. And they, 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 they still didn't believe me. Like you know, Hang on, did you make your own pair of goalie gloves? Yeah, I used to go into into Beaters, which is now Debenhams, isn't it? And buy a pair of old uh, a gentleman's string gloves. With with a woolen inset and used to pull the woolen inset out and cut it off and you just play with the string. They were like string gloves, and you'd, you had to strap them to your wrist else they fell off. And then Peter Peter Bonetti from Chelsea came out with he made he made the ones and everybody used to they were they were like green cotton, and they were the same if they got wet. You had to strap them to your wrist. <laughs> the first the first pair of gloves what they wear now I, 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 was when I went to Vancouver Whitecaps in '78. I got a pair of Adidas ones, and they were, you know, they were, they were brilliant. To be fair, you know, it's like it's a, a kind of foam rubber, isn't it? And yeah. it, it was different class. To be fair, and especially like over there when you play on AstroTurf, when people put oil, they oil all the legs so they don't get burns, and the, all the grease comes off on the ball. If you were playing with your bare hands, you were struggling. I can just imagine, like the your hands must have been kind of so. Worn to having the ball smack into them all the time. My granddad used to play a lot of cricket, and he was a wicket keeper. And his hands, like the skin on his palms, was just so tough. Yeah, it, it was just something that you had to get used to, wasn't it? Uh, to be fair, my hands were quite—you know—like I, I, I said, I worked in a steelwork construction factory for two years. <laughs> so your hands get a bit tough, anyway. Um, you were tough. Weren't you? You were tough. When you first, there's a uh, a famous game which comes actually not that long into your Wolves career, 1967. You know what I'm going to ask about? Yeah. West Bromwich Albion. Um, an awful lot happened in that game, didn't it, Phil? Yeah, I, I mean, me being from West Brom, the, the first fixture I looked for was was a West Brom fixture. And we played Fulham away on the Saturday, and we 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 won we won two one, and we played West Brom on on the Tuesday night. There was fifty three thousand. It was it was completely sold out, and I probably had the best or best and worst local derby. Saved a penalty, scored a home goal, and got sent off. (laughs) (laughs) The Holy Trinity. (laughs) Go on, take us through it. Take us through it. What you remember? Tony, I'm a Tony Brown's hit one from about 25 yards, and I've tipped it onto the post. He's come back and hit me on the head and went in. And then I saved a penalty off Tony Brown. I think it was the first one he'd, he'd missed. And then we were winning three two. The 
two minutes left. And a, a lad called Clive Clark, he lived, because I was still living in West Brom at the time, he, he lived two, two streets across from me, chip, a little chippy like, and he's gone down the line and he's crossed it in and he's coming straight into my hands and as I'm going to catch it, Tony Brown's dive full length and punched it. When he went by me, he was like Superman. And everybody in the ground except the referee has seen it. 53,000 people except the referee has seen it and he's given a goal. And we were on the halfway line and we are all arguing and it smacked him, to be honest. Well, Julian Keir got in touch and said, when Bomber Brown punched the ball into the net, how hard did he hit him before getting sent off? Uh, Dave Harrison, talking about this one as well, said that when Waggy went in goal, he had to put your jersey on, which was about 15 sizes too big, <laughs> sleeves hanging over the end of his arms. Um, and Martin Gennard said he was there. He was eight years old, and he said you didn't even wait for the ref to take your name. You just walked away. Yeah, well, you got that, yeah. You knew you were going to get sent off. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to hit somebody, you might as well make it a good one. <laughs> um, if you're going to get sent off for something, get sent off for a good one, aren't you? So no regrets? No, no, not at all, no. I used to work with Bomber. Uh, covering the football when I covered all the teams. And it was around about the time when Thierry Henry handled one in for France against Ireland. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. And there was a big conversation on air on the Saturday about it. And the question got posed to all the pundits. So there was a pundit for Wolves and all around and stuff. I think Robbie Dennison was doing it for us at the time. And um, they kind of said, you know, would you ever handle the ball into the goal? And all the others have said, no, no, I would never do it. I would never do it. And it gets to Bomber and there's a pause and Bomber just went, would I do it? I did it and I'd do it again. That was 30 years. It took him 30 years to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> he denied it up to 30 years later. Yeah, I did it, yeah. Because <laughs> um, you always seem to be involved in, in all these kind of things because, I mean, I was, when I was doing the research on you, Phil, you saved a penalty on your debut. Yeah. You had this game against Albion like a year later when, as you say, you save a penalty, score an own goal, get sent off. You end up saving two penalties in the UEFA Cup semi-final. What is it about you and just being involved in these big moments? I think it, when I made my debut in 1967, it, it was against Preston. And a centre-forward called Alec Dawson, well-known, he played for Manchester United and everything. Like, you know, he's a big, big bruiser. His nose was touching his ear hole and everything. Like. And as we're going out at 10 to 3, Ron Flower says to me, whatever you do, don't get involved with Alec because he'll kill you. <laughs> my confidence had just gone from my head now into my feet. And for 20 minutes, he just battered me. You could do that in them days, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. And Ron's saying, don't get involved, he'll kill you. I said, Ron, I'm nearly dead. So after about 25 minutes, the ball's coming off, come up, knees up and everything, and I flattened him. And he went... There's no need to be like that, young man, he said. My career's nearly over. I said, well, I tell you what, if you come again, it will be. <laughs> I've never seen him again. No, fair enough. You know well, I mean? well, you can handle yourself. You know, I think uh, these moments have kind of followed you around. I think there's instances, like you've told me a story off here about having uh, not, not the, the shop not allowing you to buy the, the gloves. What happened with Capello? Take, take, tell us a little bit more about these 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 moments. Well, we went to play in, in East Germany, Karls Ice Jena in, in the UEFA Cup, and it, and it it was snowing really bad. And you know, like I said, we we, we didn't have gloves. And I'm walking past the sports shop, and I, and I seen these goalie gloves in the windows. I thought, oh, I'll go and buy them. I went in and asked to buy them. They wouldn't sell them to me. 
They knew who I was. I said, we haven't got none. I said, well, you've got a pair in the window. They're not for sale. <laughs> they just wouldn't sell them to me. Like, it was, it was crazy. And then the, the Capello thing, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got through to the, uh, it was the quarterfinals. And, and we're playing away in Juventus. And nobody, nobody basically gave us a chance. Yeah. And we, we, it's one each with about 10 minutes to go. And Jerry Taylor's passed the ball back. And in them days, he'd just come out and pick you up. And he just run through and he spits right in my face, a big green one straight down my cheek. And what do you do? I said, Wolverhampton, you're dead. <laughs> he never came. He never came. <laughs> he never came. But it's funny enough, you were saying about uh, John Charles. He said that, that as soon as that game came, he's come in after the match and said, "That's you, lads. You've, you've won. You've won this this tie, haven't you?" Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, Bill McGarry had a, had a, a great brainwave. He took John Charles as, as, as an ambassador to, to, to our club. I mean, he was he was an absolute legend at, yeah. at, at Juventus. And I was saying to you before that the morning of the game it had rained and we couldn't train on the pitch, and we had to wait for Juventus to finish training. And there must have been two thousand people watching him train. And as the Doug and John Charles are walking past, they all started clapping and cheering. And the Doug waved and John Charles says to him, it's me, you prat. <laughs> Sorry, John. And, and you know, he, he, took, he, took, he took a shopping like, and we were, we, we were going in shops and we wasn't paying because, because he was just a, an absolute legend. And this is gospel truth. The night of the game, we, we got to the dressing room and there's an old boy on the door, must have been doing the door like for 40, 50 years. And he's seen John Charles and he went, oh, King John, and he got down and kissed his shoes. Now that, and that, is, that yeah. is legend. Yeah. That is legend. Proper legend, isn't it? Yeah. Should that happen then, more? Do you want people to do that? No, when you no, turn no, 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 no. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. And then after the game, when we got a draw, he came in and he said, you've, you've won now. Said you win the you win the the second game. Said how'd you work that out, big man? He said, half of them won't come. He said he spit at you. He won't. He definitely won't come, and he won't come, and he won't. And to be fair, he was right. The only one that came was Helmut Haller, who played for Germany in the '66 World Cup yeah. final, and they they came in and we 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 beat them two two, two one. And he, and and he, you know what he said was right. I tell you, tell you the story about Helmut Aller. Danny, Danny Egan, who, who played for it at the time, was you know a bit, a, a bit of a boy around town and everything. Like two o'clock in the morning, Sammy Chung's got a phone call off their manager. I'm a player missing, oh. <laughs> and it was Helmut Aller. He was in the nightclub with Danny. In the Cleveland court with Danny Egan. Brilliant. Was that was that run to the UEFA Cup final? Obviously, it kind of jogged a lot of people's memories with Wolves being back in Europe now. Was that kind of the most fun period? Oh yeah, I mean it was it was it was great. You know, I mean you know, travel traveling over all over all over Europe and everything. Like you know, people say like you know, uh, some you listen to some of the supporters. I go to the pubs in town and the supporters. Oh, you know, we should we we shouldn't be in this. You know, it's it's this and it's. But but we're talking now about super fit athletes, and traveling is so much easier now than what it than what it was when we played. And we 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 love being in being in Europe. And that's what that's what the game's all about, isn't it? Finishing as high as you can and, yeah. and qualifying for Europe. I mean, in fact, you, if you look at Wolves. If 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 they if they'd have been Cardiff twice and Huddersfield, they'd have probably been in the Champions League. If you if you if you look at if you look at it that way, and that would have been even better, wouldn't it? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, we're not getting carried away, but yeah, it would have you, been. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking now about about super fit athletes, and you know, Chris, like playing's better than training anyway. Of course, it is. Yeah, and and, and the, 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 the the traveling is, is is so much so much easier. I mean, when we 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 had a manager. A trainer, Sammy Chung, and Toby Anderson, one physio. I mean, they they basically got now physios for every player. Yeah, they got they got a physio each. Well, to, speaking of just playing, you hold the record, and you still hold the record because your name is in my match day notes every single week. Uh, the section that I've got on the club records for the most consecutive appearances. Yeah, how? Because when you look at the numbers that you got to, it don't quite make any sense how you were just never injured. No, I was, but you had to play. If Bill McGarry said you were playing, you were playing. I played with a broken finger. I played with a broken toe. You just used to stick injections in. And like I said, yeah. we didn't wear gloves anyway. And I played against Chelsea with a temperature of 104. <laughs> because he said, I, he said, I was in bed Thursday and Friday with a flu. I'd gone in Saturday morning. And the doc said, big man, there's no way you'd be able to play today. He said, your temperature's 104. I says, doc, well, you tell him, because I ain't telling him. <laughs> so we, this is true. We knocked on the door, and he, a voice from inside, come in, what do you want? What do you want? What do you two want? He said, uh, Mr. McGarry, he said, there's no way the big man can play today. Why not? But not in them words. And he, he said, well, he's got a temperature of 104. He said, so what? He says, I'm the manager. You're the doctor. I picked the team. And you're playing. He said, you'll be all right, won't you? What do you I went, I went, well, well, I'll have to be, won't I? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, as, as it was, we won, we, we, we won the game quite easy and I hardly had anything to do. But 171. Yeah, I'm so I'm just saying, I'm looking at that with the success that you had as well, the games that you won, some big moments as well. There must be a, there must be regrets. You never got to play at Wembley. Again, an injury that did, did keep you out. Yeah, I played. I played every played every game. Up to the semi, we beat Norwich on the on the Saturday. We played on the Saturday because we were both out the FA Cup because the, the League Cup was always midweek. And we, yeah. we, we we drew one. We drew one each away on the Wednesday at Norwich, and we came back and played it on the Saturday, and won one nil. And then I, I broke my ankle in training on the Monday, and it was just one of them things. Well, I, if anything good about it was that. It was one an injury where I knew I wasn't going to play. It wasn't one where you, you know your hamstring or something and you're open and you're open. I just knew that I wasn't going to play. Yeah. So you know, you, you, I, th I think if it's an injury like that where you, you you you're still thinking I might make it, I might make it, I might make it, and then at the death, you know, you really. I mean, I was disappointed anyway, but not so much as I would have been if it if it had been down to the last minute. Yeah. I just knew when I did it that I wasn't going to play. Because it's fascinating that, uh, again, it, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about kind of social media and the way things change in football and stuff. That uh, injuries nowadays, everyone knows, everyone knows lots of details. Whereas for you, didn't Bill McGarry make you play in a game a week before the, 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 to try and fool people that you'd be fit? Yeah, the, 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 well, it was the week, the, the week on the Wednesday, I think it was before the game on on the Saturday. He he, he 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 said to me, "How are you?" I said, "I'm I'm, I'm struggling. I can hardly walk." I said, "Why?" He said, oh, "I was hoping you could play in the reserve team game this afternoon." 
I said, are, are you joking? He, he went, he went, well, not really. No, he said, I don't want, I don't want anybody to know that you're not going to play. I don't want to put pressure on on Gary Pearce. I said, well, if you want me to play, then I'll play. And they, they strapped me up, and my anchor was 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 like that, like you know what I mean. And as as it was, we we, we played we played Black Black Blackburn at, at, at Molineux, like and as it was, I hardly ever touched the ball. But it didn't it didn't do me any any any, any favors, like you know what I mean. And the worst part about it was, I I don't think he really appreciated it what 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 I did. That was that was the annoying thing about it, like. Because it, it shows the sacrifice, I guess, that you were willing to make for the team. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I was wolves through and through. I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd been here since since I was like fourteen and a half or something like that. Like, you know, I loved loved the club and, and and obviously still do. And you do what you have to do, don't you? I think I think that would never happen today, would it? No. Well, you wouldn't be allowed to do no, that today. You wouldn't be allowed to do that today. Because your numbers of 171 consecutive appearances, of which 127 were in the league, because I kept looking up this stat because Connor Cody uh, got to 80, I think 70, it was, 79. 78. 79 in all competitions. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing, because technically the league record he could still go for, though it would obviously take an awful long more time now. Do you think anyone will ever get close enough the way the game is today no no I really don't it might, it, they, they, they might do the league one but I don't think they'll do the overall one you've got to remember as well you played through some some probably injuries that, that players today wouldn't would, play they, through no, well, they wouldn't you be need a, to get that record they wouldn't be allowed to would they no in, like in a, in, in a, in a, you, you know yourself Chris, you probably played when you shouldn't have played you know and, and I, I yeah. think most I like I, I can remember Dave, Dave Wagstaff. We were, I forget, we were, we were playing it on the Tuesday night, and he, he, he'd had a cast off at 12, 12 o'clock on, on the Tuesday lunchtime. I had, had two quarters on injections and playing on the night. That, 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 would, that would never. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's why a lot of the old players now are really, some of them are really struggling because of the quarters on injections they had. Yeah. Now yeah. they just used to give them you for fun. You just played. Just, yeah. Just whatever. Yeah. Is that because of a fear of the managers, a fear of letting people down? I think sometimes it was a fear of uh, of losing your place. But 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 like Tommy 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 Smith at, at, at Liverpool, Tommy was never going to basically lose his place, and he he, he had more probably more injections than anybody. You just did what you was. What you were told, basically. I mean, yeah. if the, in the, in our days, if it was like, if the manager said jump, you said how are you? You know, I'm, I, I mean, I read the papers now about coaches having the sack for being bullies and everything. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Bill, Bill McGarry would be in jail. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He yeah. would be, he would be in jail. But like you said, you know, you, if if he said do something, you did it. You didn't you didn't argue. Yeah. So what about what about now towards the. The the end, you know, like what? How did the Vancouver thing come about? Because you went on loan first, didn't you? Yeah, they 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 they. Uh, I went on loan in in seventy six. I I had I'd been injured and missed a few games at the end. I went on loan in nineteen seventy six and really 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 enjoyed it. And then it, the year later, they they signed Paul Brad seventy eight. They signed Paul Bradshaw from Blackburn mm-hmm. for 150,000, which you know. 
was a great boy, to be fair. I, I really, I, I played against him in the reserves one Tuesday night at Blackburn, and this big blonde kid came out, and he was di he was different class, right? Different class, and and I honestly think that if he'd have applied himself properly, he could have played for England. I think he was, I think he, he was that yeah. good, and I think he just, I think he came here and got in. Got him with the wrong crowd, to be honest, and and just fell by the wayside. I remember him coming to me the one time. I was, I was back. It was Jeff Palmer's testimonial, and he said, "I can't believe I'm not playing." John Burridge was playing, and I says, "I can." I said, "Because he because I trained with him a couple of times and watched him." I said, "Budgie trains his socks off every day, and you just go through the motions, and that's why he's playing." I said, "He he hasn't got half of your ability." ability yeah. But if you don't work and use your ability, then you're not gonna you're not gonna make you, you you're not gonna make it. Yeah. And I honestly think that he could have played for England. That's a, see that to me is a fascinating insight into your character. That it's about the hard work. That you recognise that above anything else. Ability is one thing. Hard, but ability without hard work is nothing. No, no. You've got it's like it's like it's like any 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 job any job you do if you don't work at it, you're not, you're, you're going to fall by the wayside. You're not you're not going to make it, are you? You know I used to come back of a Thursday afternoon training. We used to go down the West Park with some of the young apprentices and and train of a Thursday afternoon. And and I I felt that if I didn't do that on a Thursday afternoon, I, I might struggle over Saturday. So I, that's yeah how it was. That's boring. Because your dedication to it. The, so you'd obviously had a little spell in America and you'd kind of come back and you're, the, I guess, number two from this point on and then you're negotiating to go back to America and they need you one last time. Yeah, I, 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 left, I, left, on the, I left on the Friday. I was flying out to Vancouver on, on, on the Wednesday and I, I, I was just... Leaving my house at nine o'clock on Friday night to go for a drink with the lads, basically say goodbye and everything like. And I got as I'm walking out the door, the phone went, and it was Sammy Chung. He said, "Big man, you might have to play tomorrow." I said, "I, I said I've left. I've finished. I've left." He went, "No, your contract doesn't finish till Wednesday when you fly out." He said, uh, "Paul Bradshaw's Paul Bradshaw, Bradshaw's sick. Gary Pierce. I know Gary was injured anyway. Bradshaw's sick." I need you to play. I said, well, I don't want to play. I said, what if I get injured and I can't go to Vancouver? And then he said, he said, I'm asking you as a friend and I really like Sammy. I got on yeah. really, really well with Sammy. I'm asking you as a friend. I can't tell you what I said to him. <laughs> tell you so then I had to phone the lads up and say, look, I can't come. I might be playing tomorrow. Like, you know, and then I, I got, to, we got, got to the ground at... 9.30, he said, you, you'll have to travel to London with us because I still don't know if he's going to play. Half past two, they told me I was playing. And as, as it was, it worked out for me. We, we won 2-1. It was, it was a bottom of the table. It was a six-pointer. We won 2-1. I got man of the match. So my last game, was, my last game was <laughs> worked out great, to be fair. Yeah. So you started with a penalty save. You ended with a man of the match. There was so much in between. What a Wolves career. Oh, it's been fantastic. You know, you look back. You, you look. You look back, and you never change. It, never change it for anything. You know, it's been it's been wonderful. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, we're just talking about 
been in America and, and Canada and all that kind of stuff that you were, um, I found a photo that I wanted, because that was an amazing time to play in America. There's a brilliant photo of you and Pele yeah. just having a laugh on the side of the pitch. Like, to it fascinates me, because there was a load of players from your era that kind of went over there. So everyone thinks of that time of being like Pele and Beckenbauer and all that. But there was loads of you out there. Well, I, when I played in, in Vancouver, I was saying to Chris, I mean, we, we had Woolly Johnson, who's West Bromwich Albion, Scotland Rangers le- legend, yeah. uh, uh, Trevor Weimark from Ipswich, uh, Alan Ball, Roger Kenyon, John Craven, Ray, Ray Limington, who's now assistant manager yeah. at Palace. He was on loan from Chelsea. He was only, he was only a kid, Ray, at the time, like, you know. Uh, Posse who played for Millwall, Peter Daniels who played for Derby. We 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 were known as the English Mafia. We were the only team that we were the only team that was all English, you know. When we was we wasn't very well liked. You, won the, you went and won the title, though. Didn't we you? won set seven, seventy-eight. We we, we 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 played thirty games. We won twenty-four, and because there was there was no draws, it was win it was win or lose, and we we won we won we won twenty-four, lost six. And then we and then we lost in the playoffs, and then set seventy nine we won we won twenty and, and and lost ten, and we won we we beat we beat New York Cosmos in the semi final which nobody had give us a chance you know they'd got Beckenbauer and all these top players and everything like, and then we played Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Rowdies in the final which was Rodney Marsh, and we won the final we played in New York I think there was about it all was eighty it all was eighty thousand. In the in Giant Stadium in New York, and I think there was fifty thousand. There must have been twenty thousand from from Vancouver. It was unreal, and we we we, we won two one. And it, it was when when we got back to Vancouver, there was I remember that there was hundred thousand people lining the streets to welcome us back. It was they got pictures of it. It was unreal. it was absolutely unreal. Oh, you know, absolutely. you just can't. I mean, and like now, it's it, it's even bigger. And the game's even bigger now. Yeah. Like I've just been back to to Vancouver. You know, we we used to play in the old Empire Stadium. I think it was where Bannister did the four minute mile or something. Yeah, right? and it was it was just dilapidated. And now they've got, they've got a fantastic indoor stadium now that right down in downtown Vancouver, and it, it's it's just a fabulous place. So what, what was it? What was it that took you over there originally? Then what was it? Because obviously, like you saying, it was the. I know it's massive now, but it wasn't then, was it? Compared to it English was football, a, a, a lad, a Canadian lad who played there with me, Les Wilson. He'd gone back. He'd gone back to Vancouver, and he, he knew I'd been. Bill McGarry, I, 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 I played nearly every game that season, and the, the last two, the last two games of the season, he, he, he. he, he, he Sammy Song said he wants to see you, and I went in and he, he said, I'm leaving you out for the last two games of the season. I said, well, I can't believe that. I've been your best player for, you know, the yeah. last two months. He went, yeah, I know, but I've got nobody else I can drop. He said, but I can drop you and I can put Gary Pearce in. I said, well, I, I, I don't really, I can't see that anyway, but unbeknown to him, I'd had a phone call off Les Wilson a few days before that I want to go to Vancouver for the summer. So I said to him, well I'm, well, I'm not really happy about that. I said, I want to go to America for this summer. He said, you're too late. The season started and you won't get fixed up. I said, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if I get fixed up, can I go? You won't get fixed up, he said. I said, I'm not saying that. I said, if I get fixed up, can I go? 
he went, well, yeah, if you get fixed up, you can go. So I, I shook hands with him because that was the only way I was going to get, shook hands with him. Right? <laughs> so two days later, I went back in. I said, oh, I'm going to Vancouver Wednesday. I can't tell you what he said to me. He said, but he basically said, you stitched me up. I said, well, you stitched me up. I said, you dropped me for the last two games and I've been your best player. He went, I'll oh, get out. And that was it. And I flew out to Vancouver four or five days later. And just and me and, me and my, my youngest lad, he was four. And we we, we loved it. I mean, it, it, it was great. There was all, I was the only experienced player there. There were some young lads on... Yeah. Uh, on loan, there was a lad called Tony McAndrew who's had a really good career. Tony, he's been, he's been coaching at the Villa now for quite for, for time. A lad called yeah. Billy Wolf, they from Middlesbrough. A couple of lads from uh, one lad called Tommy Ward from Chelsea. Bill, uh, Steve Etsky was at, at Reading, and I was basically the only. And the the, co- the coach was German, right? And yeah. it, it was it was completely different to what you'd been used to with coaches here, like you know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't a very nice bloke, but he was he was a, he was a decent coach, and I, re- I really really I really enjoyed the lifestyle. And then when I got a chance to go back in '78, I, could, I, I, I Tommy Doherty, I think Tommy Doherty was was at Derby, and he phoned me. But I, I, I would never have played for Tommy. I didn't, I, I, I didn't like him, and I couldn't trust him. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> and I could have gone. I, I had an offer from is it Gordon Jago was at Millwall, and I, but I'd only ever played at the top level. Yeah. Except the, the fourteen, the, the fourteen games I played in Division Two on the year I made my debut. So I decided to go to Vancouver, and I, 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 I don't regret it one bit. I, I had a, fa- I had a fantastic time over there. I played in Chicago. I had two years in Vancouver, two years in Chicago. At six months in San Jose, I played with George Best. And, you know, people going about bestie. Like, when I went to San Jose, they just had Callum, his son. Yeah. And I was I was there, like, for six months. And in the six months I was there, he never had a drink. Trained every day. And, he, in fact, he, I don't know if you've seen his funeral when he scored the goal. That goal, he, yeah, he through everyone. I played in the game. I was in goal for San Jose. Like, and then I, then I went to... Uh, I went to Oklahoma, which was... Uh, <laughs> Another experience, you know, is the cowboy countries and everybody yeah. wears Stetsons and you got guns in the back of the car. But it was, but I loved it. It was great. And then I finished. I finished up in Toronto. Where the coach was Bob Outen, who managed Malmo when they lost to Forest in the in the European Cup, didn't they? Yeah. He was a very good coach, Bob. To be fair, I think he, he was at Bristol City. He was at Bristol City for a while. And you were, so it was six six years you were out there. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't have came back if it wasn't for the, the if visa. I, if I if I if I could have got a green card, I think I would I, I would have I would have stayed. You know, okay. I, 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 I love the way I like. But when you when you leave one club, you have to start all over again. Yeah. But I I, I just I just love America. I mean, the season I made my debut in 1967. At the end of that season, we went on to it. It was the first time they'd ever had what they call professional soccer in America, and we drew the golden ticket. We drew Los Angeles. And we were yeah, Los- I was going to ask you about this. So you were Wolves, but you were LA Wolves. Los Angeles Wolves, yeah. And we we had nine. We were there for nine weeks. We came we 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 we, we, we came we came back and we had two weeks and we were, we were playing. But it would but it was, I mean to travel. I'll be honest. If I'd have, if I'd have been coming to the end of my career, and, I, and and wasn't married, I wouldn't have come back. I'd have stayed. Yeah. But I was like, I was only nine. I, I was nine. I hadn't even been out of England. I hadn't been to Wales. My first trip out of England was to Los Angeles for nine weeks. 
and it, it was oh, it was on, it, it was flower power, wasn't it? Hippie <laughs> yeah. and flower power, you know what I mean? Yeah, late sixties California <laughs> must have been amazing. Oh, what did you get up to, Phil? Our, our local was the Whiskey and Go Go Club, which is the iconic. <laughs> it was our hotel was there. The Sunset Strip was the next street over. Brilliant, brilliant. So you were, were you a hippie in those times? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody was, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we used to go on tour all the while. 1969, we we went to Kansas City. We were Kansas City Wolves, and we had six weeks in Kansas City. You know, and it was great. You know, you get a suntan and everything like. And I always had long hair when I was when I was young, like you know. And when we came back, I had to go and see McGarry about a contract. And I, 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 I walked in like, and he said, what do you look like? He said, you're a footballer, not a, not a rock star. He said, basically said, get out and get your hair cut and come back next week. <laughs> so I thought, I didn't have my hair cut. So I went back a week later. He never said a word. When he said, it, my contract, he said, uh, we'll offer you a £10 rise. I said, well, I was looking for, I was looking for 20 he said, 15, take it or leave it. So he got all right. <laughs> so as I'm walking out, he went, oh, by the way, your first two weeks, you're fine, because when I tell you to get your hair cut, <laughs> son, you get your hair cut. <laughs> you find me two weeks, wages for not having me hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, people sometimes, I don't think people believe me, but it was true. Unbelievable. Said, when I tell you to get your hair cut, son, you get your hair cut. <laughs> he doesn't forget anything. Huh? <laughs> But this, uh, I, I still love the idea that you were LA Wolves. That like this just happened. That you just it, like you can't imagine it in this day and age. That they just go right. So you finish the season, everybody, and uh, you are now all of the team are heading out to go and play for Los Angeles. Well, they they ask, they give you the choice, don't they? They say who wants to go. And at 69, 69, Bill McGarry came in. He said, "I've got this. I've got this tour to Kansas City. Six weeks in Kansas City. Who wants to go?" And then you got the lads, myself, Waggy, Mickey, Bird, and all that. Like, and he went one, two, three, four, five, six. Who doesn't want to go? And you go one, two. Uh, well, I don't care about you. I want to go, so we're gone. So the two that never pissed off. Brilliant. There's always two or three that didn't want to do anything. You always get that, don't yeah. you? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, how are we going anyway? <laughs> you know what I mean? Brilliant. But the Los, the Los Angeles thing, I mean, was was unbelievable. Like, Davy Jones out the monkeys went to school with Waggy. And he'd read in the paper that we were there, and he came to the hotel. And we went to the studio to watch him film the day at the, the Monkey Show. We, yeah, went, yeah. we went to the studio and watched him. We got, we got, we'll pic- got, we got pictures with, with him, you know. I got, some, I got sunburned. Ronnie Allen said, anybody, anybody gets sunburned and can't train or play, it'd be fine at two weeks' wages. So a lad called Alan Evans, he was only 16, he was the youngest player, wasn't he? And a lad called, Scott's lad called Paddy Buckley. We used to, we used to get a taxi. We, 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 got, we got £10 a day spending money. We, and it was, th- it was $3 to the pound. I mean, that was a lot of money, like, you know. We got, and we got, we got £10 appearance money and £10 win bonus. So we, 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 played, we, played, I think we played 14 games and won 13. You won, so, the, you won the title, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Peter Peter Knowles never spent a penny and came back and bought a white Triumph Spitfire cash. Never spent a penny. I mean, I come back with about ninety quid. <laughs> Rings, shirts, watches. <laughs> you, you, it was like 
Well, I might never come back here again. No. You know, and you're lucky to be here, and, and I might never come. You know, you know, nineteen and everything. Like you know, we used yeah. to, we used to get a taxi to the to Malibu Beach, and I sit on Malibu, and I got sunburned, and I was bright red. And the next day I went to train, and I said to the lads, "Whatever you do, don't kick the ball out my chest." Well, that was the worst thing I could have said. Couldn't I? <laughs> yeah. and there was tears running down my face, and Ronnie Allen said to me, "He said, Big man, what's the matter with you?'" I said, I think I've got a fever. He said, well, you've never had it before. I said, well, I've never been to America before. He went, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, Davy Jones come to the hotel and Dave, Waggy, said, Waggy says to him, Davy said, can you recommend anything for Big Man's got sunburn? He said, let me see. He went, go to the pharmacy and ask for a can of solar cane. He said, looking at you, ask for two. <laughs> but it worked. This spray is called solar can you just spray and it tricks all the sting out and it was brilliant to be fair. You know <laughs> did, right? did Ronnie Allen find out? Did you get no, fired? No, no, he didn't find out, no. Exactly. Two, two weeks wages was the standard thing, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Golfing after Wednesday two weeks. Drink <laughs> drinking after Wednesday two weeks. <laughs> did you ever get paid? You just constantly fined. Oh no, I was a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, just before we get on to the rundown, uh, I do want to put this out there because um, I asked people if they've got any questions and stuff for you. And I say most people were asking of stuff to do with the, the bomber punching it in and stuff. Um, Andy Robbins, though, said, I played cricket against Phil Barks when he was playing for Ford House's thirds against Bridge North thirds on a Sunday, probably about 20, 25 years ago. My dad was umpiring and gave him out LBW. Phil went absolutely nuts. <laughs> probably did. Does he remember? <laughs> I love my cricket. I still remember it at Ford House's now. Yeah? I go down every Tuesday and Friday for a couple of points. I go, I go every Saturday watching play. Wait a minute, LBW. I thought cricket was all about respect, and yeah, you you went nuts. Well, that, was, yeah, but this is the guy that got that punched Bomber <laughs> Brown in the and got sent off what, a couple of years into his career. It's about winning, isn't it? Exactly. It's about winning, man. <laughs> you may never lose it. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Right, Loomsy's rundown. Here we go. Uh, best player you ever played with at Wolves. <sighs> Would have been, I would say, if he hadn't have packed him, we were talking before, would have been Peter Knowles. Peter, Peter Knowles, would, I honestly believe, would have been the best player ever to play for this club. I mean, I, was, I, I played with Peter Broadbent, but only for a couple of games in the, in, in yeah. the reserves, and everybody said Peter was the best player. Uh, the Duke? No, not really. I, 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 I would, oh, it's a difficult, difficult question. Really, really difficult question. Skipper Mike Bailey, the best skipper I've ever I've ever played under. Frank Monroe, who, who we we bought from Aberdeen when we beat him there, and he yeah. he was a midfield player. We converted him to a centre half, and Woolly Bowley just reminds me so much of a, a big Frank. He's so laid back and so casual, and he, and I think Woolly Bowley is a great player, yeah. and he just reminds me of Frank. It's so very waggy, waggy. You know, we we had so many good players. Yeah. In, Good, good players, players in them days. Yeah. On Peter Knowles, was he better than George Best? No. no. George Best is the best player I've ever seen. Week in, week in and week out, I think. You know, they're going about your Pellies and all these players. I don't, I don't think that they could have played in our league the way it was 
then on the pitches what we played on and everything and the tackles and everything I don't think that they could have played then it's a totally different game yeah. now I mean people's people gone about the players today could the players of my time play now yes yeah could the players playing now played when I played I very much doubt it. There you go, spot it, on. Be, because it, it, it is a totally, totally different game. And like Bestie and Wagger used to go out on a Saturday knowing that somebody was going to try and break their leg. Like Ronaldo and Messi go out now, nobody, nobody can tackle, nobody, yeah, can, nobody can hurt them. Yeah. And, the, and the pitches that we play on, they, they, they play on like this, it's like a billiard table. We, 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 came, we came for the Chelsea game, it was 130 years, and we walked on the pitch, me and Jeff Palmer, you know when you step on grass and it goes down and you move and it comes back up? It don't move. Yeah. It's 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 basically like that. Yeah. But didn't Waggy also used to go out and have like a smoke about two minutes before kickoff? I thought, yeah, five five to three. <laughs> Waggy and Warty. Yeah, that was common in there. Well I mean, I've yeah. I've known him have one at half time. Yeah. I've known a few players to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The worst trainer at the club. Frank Monroe. <laughs> Straight away, biggest yeah. moaner, biggest moaner, waggy, without a doubt. Uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? I had a few to be frank. I was Steve Daly's. It, it was a young lad. He's still my best mate now. You know, out, out the lads, and yeah. I, I speak to Steve nearly nearly every day. Mike Bailey was a good was a good friend. Frank Frank Monroe was a good friend. I was. I, I was I was with Frank when he passed when he passed away. Like and then went to go, used to go when he was poorly. I used to go and see him every couple of days. Yeah, you know, Waggy. We 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 had a great close knit club at the time, and I think that's why we you know that we did so we did so well. Like yeah. and it's difficult to pick out one one person. Like you know what I mean? Like John McCall. I've known John McCall. He, he came as a kid from Liverpool. From Naughty Ash, like him, you know, we still speak. We still, we, we, we've got a great former players association now. Right. You know, yeah. We have, we, 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 <clears throat> we had a golf day. We had a golf day a f uh, few weeks ago, just at the beginning of September. Don, Don played, Muchy played, Tomo played. They, you know, we, we've got a great. I think we raised about six grand. For, 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 it's all for charity and yeah. everything like, but right. it, it's great to get together. And we have this. It, it's basically such a great day. Steve Daly organised it, and we, we we basically get the same teams come every year. We had twenty twenty five teams, I think, which is hell of a lot. Yeah, you know, but it's such a good day that that that, that this, the people keep coming back. Nah, quality, nah, quality. Uh, the best and worst dress sense. <sighs> the best, me. And the, the boys will tell you that I'm not. I'm not just oh, saying. No, yeah, I'm not, not just saying. Not to justify it. I'm not just saying. Take that. your word. And the worst, probably Waggy. <laughs> okay. Uh, who was the funniest player that you played with at Wolves? Danny Egan, without a doubt. <laughs> the best manager you worked for? Tony Waiters in Vancouver. Ronnie, Ron, Ron, Ronnie Allen. I, I'm, I'm, I've been fortunate. I played under some good managers. Yeah. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Allen was different class. Bill, Bill McGarry was a great tactician of football, but he had no man managing skills. If you could, if you could have put Ronnie and Bill together, you'd have you probably had a, as good a coach as you, that, that you would ever find. Would, yeah. But it's all you know, it, like Bill McGarry wouldn't be able to manage. Ronnie Allen could manage today, 
But Bill McGalley wouldn't be able to manage today because players wouldn't put up. With I wouldn't think they'd be spoken to that, 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 that the way you spoke to him. Right. Yeah, a few have said that actually, haven't they? Uh, all right, well, the, what was the best goal that you saw scored or I guess conceded then? Oh, God. <laughs> You won't remember the ones that can see that. No, they get blocked <laughs> out. I still, I, I still get blamed for the the, the Martin Chivers goal in the UEFA Cup final. First leg down that down here, like he hit it from about thirty yards, and it flew in the top corner. And I still get the blame now. I'm <laughs> going to the pub, mate. You should have saved that penalty. <laughs> you should have saved that. All right, thank you. <laughs> what What was the best game that you were involved in at Wolves? I'm just trying to think. Some good ones. I, I would say when we beat Juventus, when we beat Juventus here two one, and the, and the, well, the both Juventus games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you say is your proudest uh, proudest moment at Wolves? It was making my debut when I made my debut at nineteen. Quality. You know. Seeing Wolves now achieving what they're achieving now, it fascinates me from people from your era, Lofty, that you have always held a special place in fans' hearts because you were the team that got to the UEFA Cup final and, and had those years in Europe. And it hadn't happened since until now. Is there ever a part of you that feels like you don't want to lose that view or are you happy to see current team possibly oh, eclipsing what you guys yeah do. I hope they do I mean you know I mean, I mean it, it's it's all about the club and and the city I mean I always call it a town but it, it's a city isn't it mm-hmm. and, and I mean at the minute the, 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 the place is buzzing on a match day you know when I, I, I go in I come to the games and I go into town after and have a, have a point in the town I've, all, I've, I've, I've always done that and the, the, the place is buzzing absolutely buzzing the pub the, the pub the pubs are packed out you know and I, it, I think, like, like the, the what the Europa League. I think the farther the farther we go in that, the 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 better. Yeah. The fans, the the, the fans, the fans have, have t- they've took to Nuno, haven't they? Yeah. I think Nuno's done a fant- done a fantastic job. You know, he's he's, he's had help from the from the owners with with money, and I th- that we can keep going, and you know, we go as far as we can. Yeah. Say Wolves gets the UEFA Cup final. And they're up against Juventus, who've dropped out of the Champions League. And in the corridor before the game, you come face to face with Fabio Capello. I'd smack him. <laughs> <laughs> He'd run away, wouldn't he? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.